right. Well, welcome back to the Leading Virtuously podcast. So excited to be able to have Paul Rumsey on the show today. Uh, Paul, who are you? Great to be here. Uh, so I'm the Senior Vice President of Strategic Human Resource Operations at Atrium Health, which is based in Charlotte, North Carolina. We have about 70,000 teammates and we're in three different states. Uh, so what my role is, is really focuses around strategic alignment, um, partnering with the rest of the organization to make sure HR is aligned with that as well. Um, a title I initially had was chief of staff for HR, um, working directly with our chief people and culture officer. My background started as a teacher and I wanted to help young people and then moved from there into corporate training after about 12 years of teaching and stayed in the learning space for quite a while and then expanded here. I worked in multiple industries from hospitality to software to healthcare insurance and now in healthcare itself. Excellent. Yeah, that kind of takes into my second question of how you got to the, the role that you're in today. How did you, if you wouldn't mind sharing, how did you onboard into this role and specifically within uh, Atrium? So fortunately, the boss that I had when I worked in Dallas, Texas, um, moved here. And about eight, nine months later, I followed him here. So that helped with the onboarding as to my leader. Uh, I say to people, the only a couple people in my life that I would move across the country for in my, my current boss, uh, Jim Dunn, is one of those. Uh, so in uh, moving into this role, it's much more expanded than what my focus was before. But in my past, I've always tried to make sure that whatever I was doing in HR or learning directly impacted the operations side of the business. Sometimes in my past, I reported it in the operations instead of human resources. Mm. And so that helped. When I worked at the software company, it was a business intelligence company, all about data, all about dashboards, reports, making uh, database decisions. And so that helped. And then in my previous job, um, I did a lot with influencing the overall strategy and the strategy implementation throughout the organization. So that really helped set me up. So I would say the biggest lesson is whatever my job is, make sure I'm doing that extremely well. But then what are other areas of the organization that I can influence, take part in to help them. It just expands my career focus, but also my influence on the overall organization versus just staying siloed in my one area. So, so based off of <clears throat> the career that you had and, and thinking about your, your work and your career, what do you think is, is, is something that like the average person wouldn't know that you've been able to gain wisdom based off of your career thus far? So I would say for me, it's being true to myself and who I am. So I remember I started one in one company and the culture of that company um, was not as uh, collaborative and one where people thrive. It was very much if someone's doing something wrong, point that out so that you can rise above. So it wasn't very functional, it was very dysfunctional. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Exactly. And initially I thought, wow, maybe this is how I have to lead in order to survive here. And it was right during the downturn of the 2008-2009 world economy. 
Mm. And we started doing some layoffs and really number crunching. And uh, I was miserable. I could tell my team was miserable. And I said, Paul, what has worked for you in the past? Go back to what you know works, your leadership style. You've gotten results in the past. Don't change because of these external pressures. So I would say the biggest lesson, and when I did that, we met our numbers, we actually exceeded our numbers quite a bit. I was much more content because I was being authentic to who I was and my team was much happier and really thrived in that organization, even more than some of the counterparts in, um, in our area. So I would say the biggest lesson is be true to yourself, know yourself, be true to who you are and your core values. Make sure they align with the organization's values and don't let external influencers, even your boss or coworkers, um, bring you down to a different level than what you know is works for you. Hmm. I love that, Paul, because I think that that's really important for newer leaders or uh, even leaders that have just adopted a team that they're still trying to figure out kind of like what it's like to lead within the organization. And I know oftentimes our work psychologists that work with our clients talk all the time about how there's usually two different cultures, the culture of the, of the team in general, mm. and then also the team of the organization in a grand scale. So I think that's, that's great advice to, to leaders to be able to realize like, it's okay to be genuine to who you are to be able to get the most out of your team and, and to work the way that you feel like uh, is really putting the best version of yourself out there. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, and so Paul, uh, you know, here's the, the million dollar question of like, where do you see virtue in business intersecting for yourself uh, within your own career? Yeah, so a lot of it has been around decision-making. Um, who has that decision-making authority? How do you empower others to make decisions? In one organization, that was a key area across the organization through our employee engagement survey that we got feedback that certain levels were making all the decisions and just pushing it down. And so the frontline levels didn't feel like they had any build or buy-in into that. And they um, really pushed back appropriately so. So decision-making is important. And I really believe have, being a virtuous leader is gathering input, having transparency of what you're doing as much as you're able to, um, and getting that input from others because I'm only seeing things from my level or my world. And if I'm gonna make business decisions that impact others, I need some of that input. Now, at the end of the day, I may have to be the one making the decision and I'm perfectly okay with that. So I'm not saying shirk your decision-making responsibility, but it's important to be virtuous and realize I might not have all the answers. So from a diversity, equity, inclusion perspective, it's very important to get that. So that was one thing that I really learned at that organization. Another one is just how you treat individuals. So I talked about the, the one um, uh, organization where I worked where the, it was a dysfunctional culture and the interesting thing is when I saw my boss there offsite, so he'd have uh, all of us over to his house every so often, and the way he interacted with his family, it was amazing. But in a business sense, it was like a totally different person. Mm -hmm. And I thought if you would bring that family perspective where everyone just adores you and bring that still strong leadership, high expectations, 
but helping people get there versus just cutting people down when they aren't maybe hitting your expectation. Uh, we would go through hell and high water for you. Um, <laughs> but people left. Um, I remember being in a business review meeting and people would leave after the presentation crying. And I thought, this is crazy. So um, he, for some reason, felt like that's what he needed to do in order to lead that part of the business. But when I saw him outside of work, I thought, wow, that is an incredible person. What I like about my current boss is he's the same in and out of the office. So it, it's who he is, high standards, holds us accountable, pushes us, which I'm all for, but does it in a very authentic, uh, virtuous way. And yeah, I guess the thing that was really resonating to me uh, as you were talking about both examples was that of humility especially around decision-making of, you know, in order to be able to, as a leader, to be able to interact with all levels of the organization, you have to be able to come from that, that place of humility that says, I don't have all the answers. And, and oftentimes that can be a, a scary place for a leader that feels like oftentimes you have to, you have to have all the answers and, and ultimately be able to, uh, you know, just kind of like collaborate with other people and set the floor to ask the question and then sit back and allow the team to fill in the gaps. So, so yeah. And then, yeah, that, that is crazy uh, to think about and around your second example, but to think about someone that, that is that way in a personal life and then completely different in an, in another way. And uh, yeah, wow. I'm sure that, that, you know, it, it must have been frustrating for you too to be like see the power and potential that the person had, but then it's just not really showing up in in the workplace. Definitely, the one good side of that is he did allow us to see that side of him. So then it did put into context where I might be in a meeting and I hear this other as side of him, but I realize okay, that's not fully who he is. Mm. He's doing that in order to in his mind that's the best way to reach the business needs but i do know this other side of him and so i would try to find ways to tap into that side as i interacted with him frame things up in a certain way that he might resonate with and that really helped my relationship with him that it was a very positive relationship for the majority of the time that i worked there with him hmm. so so what would you so what says you paul to a leader who feels like like they're watching this interview. I think what's really coming through to me is like, you know, about being your genuine self. And so what would say you being in the role that you're in to a leader that's saying like, you know what, I'm, I'm recognizing the fact that I am not showing up the same person and I'm not really being my genuine self. What is some like some tactical steps that someone could take towards, uh, you know, starting to move in that direction? So I think a big part is knowing yourself, knowing um, what type of person you down deep want to be. Most of us know what type we want to be, and then we can easily say, okay, I'm not like that person at all. So it might be going back to a previous leader, one of my first leaders um, when I moved into corporate uh, training was an amazing mentor. And so I learned from her and my current boss the importance of mentoring people because you're helping their career, encouraging them to make some of those decisions. You're there as their safety net. So looking and saying, what type of people would I gravitate to? 
do I feel like I can do that? And so trying to identify what type of person do I want to say when I leave, or as people would say, when I die, what's on my tombstone? I'd try to be a little more positive than that. Uh, that uh, what characteristics do I want people to say? And then if I don't feel confident or competent in those areas, maybe it's transparent communication. Maybe I don't feel confident in being transparent or I'm not exactly sure how to do it in an authentic way while safeguarding the business too. Well, then set up an action plan on how you're going to get that competence. As you get more competent in an area, you'll get more confident. Find someone that can give you honest feedback, uh, whether it's a coach or a peer, and just say, listen, I'm going to come to you on a regular basis, and I want you to be blunt with me. Tell me what I did well, but I don't need you to just butter me up. Tell me what I did not do well, and then we can process that. But we all need those people, because if we just stay within ourselves, we'll keep telling ourselves, oh, no, you did okay, because maybe we don't want to confront ourselves. <laughs> right. And no, I, I love that too. Uh, just thinking about that example of like accountability partners, we want to be able to bring in accountability partners that are excellent in that area that we're trying to be held accountable to. That when we bring in people that are weak in those areas, then all they're going to be like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, everyone struggles with that, et cetera, versus like right. someone that already has got that uh, mapped out so that when we come to them and we're saying that we're struggling in that area, that they have the ability to be like, no, you can do better. Like, let's focus in that area. So so that's great. Thank you for sharing that too, Paul. Yeah. Uh, so not to, I mean, to touch upon that question that you had said, like, you know, when you think about, you know, your own retirement and you are retired, what do you think that you want to be remembered for uh, in your own career? What do you, what would you like people to say about you, Paul? Uh, I would like people more, even more to say that I impacted them as individuals than I just helped me the business um, aspects. In my mind, as a leader, if I am meeting the business obligations, that's just my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. um, but I want people to be able to look back and say, when I think of one of my best leaders, Paul comes to mind. Mm -hmm. And it may be around some connection I had with them, a way, ideally, that I helped them improve their career development and their growth. Um, I remember when I left one organization that uh, someone on the team wrote me a letter and it surprised me because um, she talked about how she was very insecure when she came into that role, that I took an interest in her, I worked with her on her skills, she had some career development and promotions, and now that I'm leaving, she feels much more confident to continue her career in whichever way she wants to go. And I didn't even realize I did that. So, uh, so those are the types of things that I'd want to say that people would look and say, I impacted them as people um, in the careers or their personal um, growth, even more than, hey, you helped us always hit our numbers. Both are important, but the personal side, I think, is much more lasting in a broad worldview. Yeah, I always tell people that that we we can never hitch uh, a U-Haul behind us when we pass. But what we can, the only thing that we can leave behind is a legacy and the way that we make people feel. So I right. think you you nailed it on the head for sure, Paul. Uh, so how can people uh, get a hold of you? 
the easiest way is through LinkedIn. Uh, so Paul Rumsey uh, looked me up on LinkedIn and that's the easiest way. Um, I accept almost every invitation unless uh, it's, uh, I, I could tell someone is just selling me something that maybe I don't because I get a million <laughs> of those. But uh, in most cases, uh, LinkedIn is the best way. Again, I work at Atrium Health. Uh, my email address is paul.rumsey at atriumhealth.org. You're welcome to send me an email as well. I love connecting with people. Networking is important. I'd like to learn from you all just as much as maybe you've learned something from this podcast. It's uh, we're all in this together. So it's all about helping each other. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Paul. Uh, really appreciated it. And uh, uh, excited to for our audience as well to be able to pull away from uh, what we talked about today. So thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, no worries. Bye-bye.